This is episode 57 of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. On today's show, it's a bye week, so we're talking about bye week stuff. Taking a look at the Packers through their first 10 games and some of the other goings-on about the National Football League. Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Mellumsetter. Hey, we are coming to you from my beautiful south side estate on a warm but weirdly overcast mid-November afternoon here in Chicagoland. Packers on the bye week. It puts us in a situation where we don't have a game to talk about, so we can just talk about whatever it is that we want. What's going on? You worked on a commercial last week. Yeah, I did work on a commercial last week. It was uh, for a company, Excel, not Excel Energy. Uh, not the spreadsheet company. Not the spreadsheet company either. X uh, sell as in sales and making money. Um, it's like a startup. Uh, they do like uh, chat help rooms and stuff, you know, like when you're on uh, – Amazon.com, not Amazon's a bad example, but, um, you know, a, a generic furniture website and you're interested in a futon and you, a little bubble pops up and it's like chat now with one of our associates, the, like they're the associates that you're chatting with is like this third party, um, like chat group. It's a bunch of like 20 year olds in an office. It's a very interesting environment. Um, and they have like some AI program. That is, it like auto fills in like responses for uh, their like chatters, depending on what the person just sent them. Um, so they were trying to advertise that product and kind of their whole work environment and everything. Um, we made a little one minute commercial in a couple of days. It was, uh, it was fine. It was fun. It was uh, less soul sucking than I thought <laughs> making a commercial would be. It was, it was, we were able to have some fun with it. Sounds pretty decent, actually. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it sucks to be feeding into the uh, the uh, sales capitalists. Uh, the the deregulated the yeah. internet hell that yeah. is the current current market. Yeah, sure. You know, selling out any creativity for uh, sales and money. Well, we um, have this program where you push a button and it simulates a human being. Yeah, yeah. We have this program that will make sure that the human being that you're paying and and <laughs> that you're paying to sit in front of this computer doesn't actually have to say anything. So that eventually you don't need to have that human being sitting there yeah. on the computer. Our computer can take care of it all. Uh, but. You know, it was, uh, I got paid, so whatever. There you go. 
XL, if you need a, a chat program to be somewhat automated and somewhat controlled by 20-year-olds, yeah, we, this is your, your company. Yeah. I've been I've been stuck in my basement. Last week I talked about getting the app repaired, and this week mm-hmm. I used it to record uh, ten minutes of pleasant music. Good, so good. That's that's what I've been doing. I have the problem is when I get into the realm of recording, I go downstairs into the basement, and I don't interact with society. Sure. So I've been downstairs for two days. And I'm not quite sure how to talk or how to be around people right now, which I'm going to go out and play bar trivia later to sort of reformat my brain so I'm not like showing up to work tomorrow just having spent the last 48 hours in a darkened basement. Not speaking. Not speaking and not not interacting with people. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling very, very normal. Good. (laughs) Very social right now. Uh, Green Bay Packers, they're eight and two coming into their bye week, which they're currently on. This was, from the beginning of the season, a great spot for the Packers' bye week. It's not too early. It's not too late. It comes in front of the final half, final not half, but the final third of their season. Yeah, a a big-time chunk of the season, Mm -hmm. an important stretch. Which contains the other half of their division games, as well as starting out this very tough road matchup against the 49ers that's coming up next week. The 49ers are still the cream of the crop, but they've looked a little bit more human in in recent weeks than they did to start the season. They keep on finding ways to win those Seahawks. Only team that's beaten them so far. And if you look at what the Seahawks are doing, what the Packers can do, there's actually a lot of good similarities in that the Packers can score in the 25 plus points range, which is something that you really do need to beat the 49ers. Yeah. And they also put a lot of pressure on what the 49ers like to do. Yeah. You know, through the first part of the season, you know, the 49ers looked like a, a, you know, historic kind of all time defense. They've regressed a little bit. Um, Especially with that Seattle game, you know, uh, you take a look at the the offensive DVOA of the teams the 49ers have faced this season. Um, in the beginning of the season, they were playing like the 22nd, the 30th, the 28th, the 24th, the 29th. They were playing really bad teams. Since that, like, sixth game, they've played 19th, 15th, 4th, and 15th. And they've looked uh, a little bit more human, a little bit... Uh, a good defense, certainly, but not a historic all-time great defense. Um, and and this week, the Packers playing them. The 49ers will be without D Ford, which is a huge part of their rushing, their pass rush rotation on that defensive line. Um, so, you know, the defense is great. It's not as good as you know it looked in the beginning part of the year. Coming from about an hour ago, 49ers have a bunch of key questions, not just D Ford, but George Kittle might not play. He's their their all-world tight end. Debo Samuel, who is at least on the all-world name team. Yes. Robbie Gold, their kicker, is former Bear, currently questionable with a quad. Emmanuel Sanders may or may not play, and Matt Breida, and also Joe Staley are all banged up right now. I anticipate 75% of those names that I just listed to actually be on the field. Yeah, this is the 49ers. This will be the 49ers third game in 13 days, I believe. That's bad. That's 
bad. And so they're in a really tough spot with injuries. Um, you know, a lot of those names, I, I would expect George Kittle to try and give it a go. He might be limited. Um, Debo Samuel will probably probably play. You know, he's been he's been great in Emmanuel Sanders' absence over the last couple of weeks. I think he's he's averaging something like seven yards uh, after the catch. Um, he, you know, he's he's been been stellar, kind of as a tar- target hog, target monster in in the absence of some of the 49ers bigger uh, receivers like Kittle and uh, Sanders. Um, but, you know, they, they, they're they just a strong offense. Garoppolo can, he can be up and down. You know, if you can get a pass rush on Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not great. He reminds me, he, he's, you know, he's, he's a lot like older Tom Brady when you get a pass rush on him. He kind of turtles up. Um, so, you know, he, he, he can throw the ball to the other team a lot. With everything, it's the running game. Yeah. When you have a quarterback that's like that, that doesn't have to face the pass rush, a great way to not face the pass rush is to run the ball very effectively for somewhere around four and a half to six yards per carry, which is something that the 49ers have banked on. Look at the 49ers' upcoming schedule if you want a, a tough road to hoe. The Ravens on the road, then the Saints on the road. Then the Falcons, who are currently awake and stabbing yeah. people, and then the Rams at home, and then the Seahawks to finish thing out, finish things out. We will know if the 49ers are for real yeah. by the time Week 17 concludes. We will have our answers because that schedule is a yeah, row of what a nonsense. What a stretch! I mean, to go from we, we talked about that that opening, you know, seven games for the 49ers that were basically, you know, walkovers. You know, they could they could have played those games blind in one. And then you look at this back half of the schedule for them and it's you know, challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. We'll see yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We'll see if they're for real or if they are, you know, kind of a, a, a sham of that early part of the schedule. Meanwhile, for the Packers sitting here in week eleven with the bye. Good a chance as any to take a look at how things have been going as a overall team thing. We never talk about cumulative statistics on on this podcast, partially because I'm not a big believer in cumulative statistics. Because if you need 75 rushing yards to beat a team, then that's the per exact amount that you yeah. wanted to get. You know, if you need to give up five sacks but not six to win a game, and that's what you do, then your offensive line played good enough to win. Yeah. I, I generally think of things like that, but the Packers are aver- giving you 25 points a game right now, and that's right about where we thought they'd be, yeah. honestly. A with successful offense, you yeah, know, fine a, offense. An offense that works, an offense that, when I look at it, still relies far too much on the miracle play. Yeah, the there, there, there are just there are still moments where you just want something to happen a little bit more in sync than it does. Rogers sort of breaks breaks plays open and goes looking for things. And I still don't think that Matt LaFleur wants that to happen as much as it does. It's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. The question is, does it need to happen as often that as it does? And I think I would like to see a 30 to 40 percent reduction in Aaron Rodgers goes goes rogue yeah in the back half of the season you know I I, I think over the last couple of weeks um you know particularly like starting with um starting with like the Detroit Oakland game I think we've really seen Rodgers kind of uh, tone it down you know I think kind of once Devonte Adams left and was out 
we've seen Aaron Rodgers kind of stick to the pocket and recognize that, you know, outside of the pocket is a young man's game and he's not a young man anymore. And we've seen him be his best in the pocket this year. He's been really, really good when he stayed kind of within himself a little bit. You know, he he's he's getting up there. He's 35, 36. You know, it's 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 he can get outside of the pocket when he absolutely has to, but we've seen him be really damaging inside of the pocket. He's got the best arm in football and it's really not close. Um inside of the pocket, he can just be uh, absolutely damaging. He's got 2700 yards on on the season. He's averaging 282 yards per game. He, he he's been he's been stellar. 17 touchdowns, two interceptions. I haven't been keeping track, but at least one of those was tipped. At yes. least one of those hit a receiver in the hands. I believe both of them both did. Both of them. Yep. That's completely all, ridiculous. All four of his, his interceptions going back to all through last year as well. Every single one has been tipped. How do you do that? I don't know. I don't know. How, how are you in the same league as Jameis Winston? Yeah. He throws it to guys. <laughs> there should be a better league where yeah. Aaron Rodgers goes. How to. are you in the same league as like Philip Rivers yeah. this year God. who is throwing it to the defense? It's, it's in... It's just insane what he's done this year. He's been he's been really really remarkable, and you know, we talk about uh, like what did what why was Matt Lafleur brought in? You know, was it to revitalize this offense or was it to revitalize Aaron Rodgers? And it doesn't really matter because no matter what, both of those that's the same question. That's honestly. the same question. Both of those is, have happened. Aaron Rodgers has looked uh, more and more comfortable every single week within this offensive system, he's really gotten it figured out. He's looked really great these last few weeks. In the rush game, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are your one and two guys. It's a two to one ratio right now, almost almost exactly in Aaron Jones carries to Jamal Williams. Jones with 135, Jamal with 65, and they're averaging 4.4 and 4.5 yards per carry respectively. So those guys are doing exactly what we thought in the rushing game. The yeah. the emergence of Aaron Jones in the passing game is is what surprises me in that Jamal Williams has 25 catches, Aaron Jones has 35. If those numbers were flipped, I would be less surprised if you showed yeah. them to me at the beginning of the season, especially with Aaron Jones with three touchdown catches right now and Williams has five. Yeah. That's more of what I expected. But Aaron Jones, a threat in the passing game and a threat in the deep passing game is yeah. something that I love it because it's innovative. It recognizes Aaron Jones's strengths in that he's blazing fast in the open field. And it recognizes one of his weaknesses, which is pass protection if he's 30 yards downfield he doesn't have to block he doesn't have to block anybody no and you know i i, I think he's made strides in pass protection this year certainly absolutely but, i think the whole team has yeah oh yeah but he's he's you know he's he's still not jamal williams in the backfield precisely you know, it's it's you're better off getting aaron jones spread out wide drawing a a linebacker onto him to cover him putting him in the slot putting him out wide and letting him run around because he can he can do that really well. You know, we, we, we've seen him time and time again be successful running crossing routes, running slants, running wheels, going long, you know, running a fly route, running a nine route, doing whatever. He's been solid. He's caught touchdowns deep. He's caught touchdowns in space. He's caught screens. He's done it all. It's one of the benefits 
of the two running back formations that the Packers have been using with Jones and Williams out there at the same time in that if you're seeing a blitz, you can bring Williams back into the backfield per, for protection and yeah. keep Jones on the route, which that formation is really neat. It's one of those Matt LaFleur things that I think I've been dying to see those two on the field at the same time. Why does it have to be one or the other? If you if you have five top skill players yeah. on your offense and two of them are in your running back core, why not use a two running back formation? Yeah, frequently. So often. It seems like a pretty simple, simple thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I mean, we we talk about these these Packers skill players. I don't know very many teams that have a better kind of core offensive skill players that are better than Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Devontae Adams. You know, I, I, I really I really don't. Hmm. I don't know. Right now, with with the way that uh, that that Diggs and and guys are playing up in yeah. Minnesota, possibly Minnesota, possibly Cook, Diggs, Thielen. Also, the the Cousins. Saints the Saints battery is disgusting. Yeah, Cousins yeah, yeah. is on the lower end of the the Vikings yeah. hierarchy, but that uh, that Saints Thomas Kamara Breeze combo is yeah. d- just gross. But you know, I, I I think even with those combos, you know, I think I think they line up well with the Packers. You know, I I, I think this Packers crew is it, at least in that conversation. I think Aaron Rodgers is what puts you over the edge over those other groups. You know, it's 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 a special crew of skill players, and Lafleur's done a really good job of getting them the ball in in quality situations and open field situations in in situations that help them succeed in the receiving game. Devontae Adams. Leads the team in receptions. Does he actually do that? My sheet is out of order. He does lead the team in receptions with 39, 39, despite having missed four of the team's 10 games, which is pretty ridiculous, but also shows you this this ball distribution. The double figures goes all the way down to Jake Kumaro and catches Kumaro, Mercedes Lewis, Lazard, MVS, Allison, Williams, Graham, Jones, and Adams, all in double figures with receptions. And that's another great usage of the personnel in that when you talk about MVS, when you talk about Geronimo Allison, those aren't world beater guys. I think we're starting to see what MVS is going to be capable of at an NFL level, which is don't complicate the route too much and see if he can get a couple of steps. Yeah. He's a good deep threat. Geronimo Allison, I think has, is not, going to be the same player he was before the injury. No. It, he doesn't look to be the same same player anymore, which is, you know, it's a, a fact of life. So yeah. it, that, that's the way thing, things yeah, go sometimes. But those kind of contributions from guys that really aren't on the skill chart very much is is a major testament to what they're doing. And it's let other guys like Alan Lazard start to make their presence felt in that I think the the snaps are starting to really reflect who's playing well. Yeah. Which is um, if you're talking about differences between McCarthy and Lafleur, the snap counts are going to reflect who's playing well on this team, which they really didn't last year. No. Yeah. It's you know it's it's I don't know if Lazard would have seen a chance on the field last year where now he's you know over I think he got weeks. in in the Lions game under uh, Joe Philbin. Yes, I think you're right. Um. But you know, it's it's now Lazard's almost getting like the second leading snaps for wide receivers on this team. He's been stellar since that Lions game. 
down the stretch when Aaron Rodgers asked for him to come in. He's been really good ever since. You know, he's he's not a deep ball getter like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, he, what you do with Alan Lazard is you run short routes and let him outbody everybody else. He's huge. When he was coming into the NFL, you know, it was talked about moving him into a tight end role. He's so massive. He's so big. He's strong. He's quick and he's fast. Um, you know, he's just able to go get it. He's a big body with great instincts. Tight end group has been pretty predictable because Bob Tanyan hasn't been able to play for the last five games. So it's been Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham. Really thrilled to see Jimmy Graham in his run blocking role actually be effective Absolutely. at it. It's it's very surprising. Yeah, it's 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 it feels like it's come out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. There's nothing in Jimmy Graham's career that would suggest that he's a run blocking tight end. No, but then, you know, you go back to. uh a couple weeks ago, and the first play of the game is Jimmy Graham lead blocking a defensive end and making a massive hole for a 12-yard Aaron Jones run. You know, it's it's two or three times in that opening drive against... Um, who did the Packers play last? Why am I spacing? The out? Panthers. The Panthers. Gosh. That's all right. It, you know, it's, 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 I've it's, been in my basement for two yeah, days. How are you? <laughs> I'm not great. Okay. I'm uh, sniffling from uh, Fred and Jason. Um, uh, but you know, it's it's that game opens up with two massive Jimmy Graham blocks on on successful Aaron Jones runs on the first drive. You know, immediately Matt Lafleur is saying, "Jimmy Graham, go block a defensive end, go lead block at the second level, take out a linebacker." You know, and 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 having a tight end who's willing to do that and is able to do it successfully, and especially when that tight end is Jimmy Graham, uh, it means that you know, a there's something going on in that locker room. You know, there there's something in that coach in that. You know, in that offensive coordinator and that tight ends coach, that's pushing him in a way he hasn't been pushed before in his career. And there's something about this team that's saying, being able to say, "Hey, Jimmy Graham, you haven't done this before. Please go do this. We need you to do this." And he's doing it. I think that one of the things that's going on is that Jimmy Graham is in the final year of a contract that could very easily turn into dust. Yes, at a moment's notice. So. Yeah. There's an onus on Jimmy Graham to do what his team asks. But I also wonder, and this is pure supposition on my part, sometimes players do things because someone had the temerity to ask them to. Jimmy Graham, in down in Louisiana, yeah, in New Orleans... He's playing for Sean Payton. Sean Payton splits his tight ends out. He was essentially a slot receiver. Yeah. He was called a tight end for reasons. Yes. Because he was six foot eight. Yep. You're not being asked to block a lot. At most like chip a guy on a screen or, or get uh -huh. you know, get your corner back out of the way for the off tackle run. Something like that. Mike McCarthy not very big on asking guys to to step out of their their roles. Mike McCarthy seemed to assume that everyone knew what they were supposed to be doing at all times. Yeah. Also, not a big tight end guy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just get results from people because you ask them to do something. Matt yeah. LaFleur walks in as, as a guy my about my age and goes, hey, throw a block on this play. And Jimmy Graham might, maybe is in a situation where no one's asked him to do that for four years. Yeah, and he's probably excited or more. You know, it's probably, he's six foot eight. He's he's hitting somebody who's six foot three. You know, it's probably kind of fun to hit somebody that small. Probably if you're that big. You know, we've seen him totally bowl guys over. Yep. 
It's and great. you can no longer read what Jimmy Graham is going to do to tell if it's run or pass either. Yeah. And you've got a little bit more space for Mercedes Lewis, who is thought of as a run-blocking tight end, but he was a big pass catcher for Bortles down in in Jacksonville. And Daniel Hackett, the Packers mm-hmm. offensive coordinator down in Jacksonville. Um, yeah, uh, Mercedes Lewis, 130 yards on the on the season. He's been totally fine as a second tight end. I'm excited for Jake's Jace, not Jake or whatever, Jace Sternberg yeah. coming back. I don't know what happened to Bob Tanyan. He had disappeared. I think Bob Tanyan is able to come. I think he's coming back this week. I think he's off the, uh, I think he's been practicing and is off the uh, injury list. Good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, who gets those third tight end snaps. Is it Bob Tanyan? Is it big Bob Tanyan? Or is it Jace Sternberger? I'm curious to see what Jay Sternberg can do. This is a high draft pick for the yeah. Packers. We have seen hide nor hair of him since he's been in the con- concussion protocol. For Jace, that means he's just spent the last 14 weeks basically, basically in an NFL weight room yeah, working with the team and getting acquainted with everyone and, and getting an NFL level of conditioning on him. So by Certainly hope that he's good at the NFL level. He was good in college, so yeah, he's really, really, really yep. good in college. Um, I, I, I think it's really exciting to see, you know, the Packers uh, putting high draft capital into a position like tight end. You know, it's it's like you said, Jimmy Graham's contract's up. I think next year, but I think he's he's able to be cut off the books this year. Um, Mercedes Lewis, I think it's like 36. Yeah, these guys are Jimmy Graham, 32. Yeah, you know, it's Mercedes Lewis, 36. You need guys. You need need Bob Tani and and Jay Sternberger to be your guys next year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what they can do, uh, hopefully down this this important stretch. Uh, You know, we we talk about we talk about it a lot. You know, every NFL team wants to go three and one in every quadrant of the season. You know, the Packers went three and one in their first quadrant, successful. They went more than three and one in their second quadrant. You know they're eight. They're eight and two now, right? Eight and yes. Two. First in the NFC North. You, you, you know you're you're up on your three and one in your quadrants. You know you, now you're one and zero in your in your your two and zero in your third quadrant. You know you want you want to finish strong. A lot of math. Not yeah. You got well. lost in your quadrants. A lot, got lost in my quadrants. Lost in my numbers. But you know you you want to be successful here. This is a big step, and the Packers are ahead of the. Ahead of ahead of where they want to be, you know. I I I didn't picture this team being eight and two at this point. No, me neither. No, I I mean I I, I saw this team. All right, let's you know it's successful if we're a little bit above five hundred. You know, if we're nine and seven, I'm happy. But uh, you know, to see this Packers team be 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 eight and two at this point is uh, it's a big stride, big step in the right direction. On the defensive side, your tackles leader is Blake Martinez. Of we think of Blake Martinez as being good. There's some discussion around the NFL message boards and such that Blake Martinez, in fact, bad. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's also ridiculous in that Blake Martinez, maybe not spectacular. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, maybe not all pro. But also a guy who is doing a very specific job. I heard, I hear a lot of talk about, well, Blake Martinez makes the tackle four yards past the line of scrimmage. That's way better than eight yards past the line of scrimmage. And it's far better than 30 yards past the line of scrimmage. It's also what a linebacker does. Yes. Also, that is true. You're misunderstanding what the position is. He plays middle linebacker. He's the general of the defense. He, his job is to make sure that nobody reaches the safeties level. Yeah, you know what made uh, Blake Martinez look bad for a couple of games? 
Not having Montrevious yeah. Adams on yep. the on the line rotation. Having a shredded defensive line rotation. Having no defensive line rotation. Tyler, yep. Tyler Lancaster starting. Yeah. That's an issue. Bad times. Bad times. If your defensive line is getting no push in the run game, Blake Martinez is not going to look great. If you have guys getting push in the run game, Blake Martinez is going to look fine because very rarely does a middle linebacker look great if his defensive line is bad. Most of the time, he's not being asked to push into the backfield and make a play in the backfield. That's not his role in this defense. That's what the outside linebackers do. That's what Kenny Clark, Montrevious Adams, uh, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, that's their jobs is to push push that offensive line back, make strides in the trenches, Get into the backfield and make a play in the backfield. His job, Blake Martinez's job, is to not let anybody get to the safeties in that second level. One of the things that I'd like to see is I would like to see the defensive line rotation get a little bit more fluid. Kenny Clark is playing a lot. Yeah. And he could really use a little a little less time out on the field right I now. Agree. The whole defense has to give that to him, not just not just his uh, his coordinators and you know his coaches, but the defense needs to needs to put him in situations where he plays a little bit less. You know, one one thing I'd really like to see, we've seen it on occasion, um, is Zedarius Smith in that kind of nose tackle role. We've seen him a few times on the interior, and he's been really successful. Um, I'd love to see him playing nose tackle a little bit more on 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 pass rushdowns. Is you know. Get, get bring Gary in, bring uh, Fackrell in on the outsides. You know, let them work. But Zedaria Smith just creates such mismatches against interior uh, line guys. He's just so strong and so fast. And you know, guards are not built for that. In the sack story, Preston Smith is already in double figures, ten games, ten sacks. Uh, Zedaria Smith right behind him, eight and a half sacks. Uh, beyond that, there's uh, there's nobody, but it doesn't matter because if your top two guys combine for 18 and a half sacks through 10 games, you're in fact good. I believe that combo is leading the league mm-hmm. in sacks, like in combined sacks. Yeah, then your next leading two sackers are Tyler Lancaster and Kenny Clark with one and a half each. But uh, we've talked about it enough already. Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith are worth the money. Uh, Brian Goodkunst. Again, like the the quotes from that article where they talked about why they came to Green Bay. Thing number one is, hey, the money was right. Yeah. They offered us the right amount of money to come come here. And it's such a astute evaluation of the talent that you have and that you have guys who are good in the middle of your defense. You have guys in the secondary who are young and need veteran help. One of the things that helps secondary is if the quarterback has to throw off his back foot or get sacked a lot. Yeah. Another thing that helps is Adrian Amos and all those yeah. guys, the Smiths and Amos came to Green Bay because the offer was correct and it was a very good evaluation of where you needed to put money right now yeah. to get better. Yeah, and and you know you 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 take Pro Football Focus with a grain of salt, but their number one, two, and three rated Green Bay Packers this year are Zadarius Preston and Adrian Amos. You know, it's 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 the money was well spent and put into the right places. Yep. You know, they've all been really really good. Adrian Amos, uh, second on the team in tackles with fifty six. You know, he he he's been really really solid. He's been a, a, a smart backside defender. He's he's always in the right place. He doesn't miss tackles. He's been really stellar. Nine inter, nine interceptions for this defense over the first ten games. That's another big difference. I one. don't know exactly where the tally was 
last season at game 10, but I'm sure it wasn't nine. Nope. Uh, Kevin King is the only player with more than one. He has three picks on the season. Kevin King is quietly having a very good year that started in question again because he was hurt. And now he's seen his snap counts steady back out at the, the starter level that he's supposed to be at. Three interceptions for him is incredible. One each for Smith, Darnell Savage, Tremont Williams, Jair Alexander, Amos, and Chandon Sullivan. And That's he, an outlier. But. And, and you know, Jair has dropped about five. You know, he, he's in position almost every game to make a nice interception. Yeah. And he's dropped about, he's dropped away. His hands are bad. His hands are bad. Um, so, you know, it's, it's. The situation of Jair's having a, a heck of a year as well. You know, him and Kevin King have been have been really, really, really good. Uh, and Jair's numbers would look uh, a whole lot better had he made a few of the plays. Jair in his second year has become the guy who doesn't even get targets on his side anymore. Yeah. People don't even look at him. Yeah, they don't. They don't bother. Whoever he's covering is just off, off the play. The which is quite a step to be in your second year. When yeah, when guys do go after him, he's seen the ball hit him in the hands. Yeah, it'll drive you crazy. But hey, an incompletion is pretty yeah. good. We'll take twelve passes defended over you know none, bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, there's not a whole lot on that defensive side to talk about individually beyond what we just hit because this team as a whole is doing so well. And all these little contributions like Tyler Lancaster is finally able to be in a decent enough role because you're not, unless Adams is out, you're not starting him. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you know, goodness. He, he's fine as a rotation guy. You know, he, he's, nope. he's a, a solid rotation level player. He's not a starter. Yeah. Guys like, Tremont Williams are in the the right position for where they're at. Darnell Savage is going to come along. He definitely is still not quite right. This bye week is probably going to help him. Those yeah. the dreaded high ankle sprain is yeah. he's looked is going to mess you up the entire way. But he hasn't gotten completely toasted. It's just that he's been a little bit slow to arrive anywhere right now because changing direction is pretty tough. Yeah, basically impossible. When you have a high ankle sprain in the kicking game. Mason Crosby is 13 of 14 with a long of 54 on the season. His one miss came from somewhere between 40 and 49 yards. So everything 39 yards and in is automatic for Crosby. J.K. Scott has punted 47 times. The last two or three games have been rough. But he's still giving you a uh, a forty two yard net average Pretty on solid. punts. He's just I don't know something might have something might have gone gone sideways with him health wise or something yeah. in the last last couple of weeks. But the distance hasn't quite been there. Yeah, and so we'll. It's hard to hard yeah. to judge. What's yeah, going no on idea what's going on. I got there. no idea how that's a Packers works. punter thing, and that a lot of Packers punters look for all intents and purposes like they're going to be perennial All Pros, and then all of a sudden the distance goes away. I don't know. I don't know punters. I don't know that's whether a, if it's weather and the cold weather kills the ball a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, I have no no idea how. how I know how, I know how to throw works. a ball. I don't know how to punt a ball. I was the backup punter on really? my eighth grade junior like B team mm. football team, and I don't know anything about punting. Yeah, so that that should t- <laughs> I don't know if that tells you about the special teams of that particular Who, eighth grade football coaching team. Special teams, yeah, man, we gotta have a conversation with them. I enjoyed punting though. I liked 
I like to punt the ball. Yeah, uh, Packers are performing about where we thought, and they're healthy yeah, coming yeah. into Week 12, which is all 53 practice, which is rare this week, um, which is uh, a huge, huge deal for this team. I want to switch gears from the Packers and go back to our other favorite topic here on the podcast. It's the Chicago Bears. Man. Before we take a break, or should we take a break first? Uh, yeah, we should take a break first is what we should do. But the Bears played on Monday night against the Rams, and it was it was fucked, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I got, I got a lot of things to say it was, about this. It was a experience, that football game. I am simultaneously very happy and very sad that I watched it, and I'll be forced to remember it. Uh, this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We're on Twitter at Cheesecagoland. I'm on Twitter at MP Fleischman. He's on Twitter at Setter. We have a Facebook group called Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Subscribe to our podcast, and thank you very much for listening to our humble podcast. Thank you. I said podcast a lot just there. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We are the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Mike. That's Matt. Hey. It's the bye week. I couldn't make the roundtable happen because I could not get to a place that had lots of microphones. So maybe some other time. Stay, stay tuned on, on the roundtable. I haven't given up on this idea. It just couldn't happen this week. Um, the Chicago Bears are, are very funny. Yeah. They're hilarious at yeah. this point. And... The thing, the thing is with the Bears is that ahead of this season and all through the offseason, I was spending time looking at what the Bears had done to get their current roster construction. And I was looking more at their future than their present as a problem in that you look at yep. their future and you go, they're going to have trouble drafting more talent, not elite talent. They have that. Yeah. They're, but they're going to have to re-sign it, and the talent they're going to have to have on the second level is going to be troublesome because it's going to be third-rounders, fourth-rounders. You're not going to be able to restock the kitchen with those first- and second-round picks that teams that are contending and maintaining make, those maintenance picks. Yeah. Offensive linemen, uh, tight ends, linebackers, safeties, those very 
like if you have a good GM and a good front office, you're able to get some of those guys that just maintain a good position group. Think Kenny Clark. Yeah. And that those sort of picks. Instrumental to a defense. Elton not flashy. Jenkins. Yep. Not flashy, but instrumental to a good offense. Those are the kind of picks you're not able to make. Darnell Savage. Can't make that pick. Nope. Can't make that pick. So I wasn't really looking at this season with the Bears. I was looking at this this season going, yeah, they're going to mess some people up. Yeah, but they're screwed in 2020. But the, the double doink really, truly broke them. Oh, yeah. And I'm not I'm not usually a, a myth guy. That's an NFL myth. Yeah. That their kicker missing a game-winning kick in their first playoff game with the like, current team after going 12-4. and four. Like I, that's normally not something that, I don't believe that those are the sort of things that can destroy people, but destroyed an NFL team. It it destroyed an NFL team, and you know you, you you're talking about like the the Bears' future. You know, it, it, coming into this year, I was like, oh yeah, the Bears are going to be decent, but you know, it's 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 rare you get a, a schedule as awful as their schedule was the year before. Yeah, they went twelve and four. I mean, they played bad team after bad team after bad team. It, it, it's also you know, they, they've they made so many awful decisions with their draft picks. You know, the Khalil Mack trade, I don't want to get into the conversation of who won that trade. I think both teams won that trade, you know. Um, but when you look at the other picks that they've made, the David Montgomery pick. I mean, to take David Montgomery, they had to trade up to get him. Yep. They traded away Jordan Howard to trade up to take David Montgomery and then fill that extra spot with Mike Davis, who is like $11 million over two years. See, I like the Montgomery pick if you were to play him. Yeah, I like the Montgomery pick if you play him and you don't trade up to get him. If you you only have three or four draft picks in a draft and you use two of them to trade up to draft a running back that you didn't need, that you already had a, running, a solid running back, what are you doing? And and you know it's it's the oh, year. autoplay. Sorry, it's all good. It was the year before as well. Um, and like drafting Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton, and all these different weird you know kind of gadget guys that you don't end up using. And it's just they've made so many poor decisions, and now they're stuck with you know for the next few years. It's first off, it's so hard to keep a good defense together. We've seen this time after time after time with the Seahawks and the Legion of Boom and. You know, all these stellar defenses, they hardly ever stay together for more than three years. You know, so your window's already closing next year on this defense. They lost so many solid contributors uh, over last offseason in Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan. And you you didn't really fill them in. You know, you you get Ha Ha Clinton Dix, who's been okay. You get Buster Screen, who's been bad. You know, you don't fill your holes adequately. You have now you have no draft capital to fill them in the draft for the future. I mean, this team is just screwed and hosed and they leverage their future on Mitchell Trubisky, who is not going to make it to his fifth year option. 
like we've said for years now. Like he might not make it to wherever the Bears need to be tomorrow. No, yeah, he. I mean, he's dreadful. And you know what? Here's here's what pisses me off the most. All right, Mike. <laughs> okay, Matt. I work at a Chicago institution. Okay, a Lou Malnati's. There's nothing more iconic than Lou Malnati's. Nothing sells Chicago like nothing, Lou Mal's. Nothing says Chicago like Lou Malnati's. Now. The beginning of the year, Mike, when the Bears played, we'd go crazy. We'd go bonkers. I'd make $100 in tips on any Bears night. No questions asked. There was so much excitement and optimism for Bears fans in this city. They were tipping $10 to the guy in the freaking Packers winter cap, you know? Now, the Bears come on TV and we go dead. The other night, oh we got God. we got one order. <laughs> The other night, we that got seems one impossible. order in the first half. I mean, I was watching that game at this point. Like, I'm I'm more in tune to it than the Bears fans are because, you know, I'm a fan of comedy. Yeah. No, I love a good uh, tragedy. Uh, but it's it's just I, – I do want to say one thing is if you're a Bears fan in Wicker Park, Bucktown – Please order a Lou Malnati's pie next time the Bears play. Please, please do It'll that. It'll make you I feel need better. To pay my bills. Yeah. Do you guys also deliver like hard alcohol or heroin? I or? can pick it up. Yeah. I'll I'll do what you need. Just let me know as long as the tip's good and you, you know you pay me for that hard alcohol or heroin. I'll I'll do what I can, man. This game and again, Bears games. The last two that they've played, the last last couple that I've really watched, they defy description. Like yeah, the Bears, the win over the Lions was because you started Jeff Driscoll on the Lions. Yeah. Jeff Driscoll may, in fact, be very bad. But yeah, the but loss at the Chargers, the loss against the Eagles, the loss to the Rams, these games defy description in what Matt Nagy is doing. There, There isn't. I don't think there's another head coach in the NFL who could survive through the season. If, no. if they were doing what Matt Nagy was doing and the results he was producing, he has the best pass rusher and possibly the best defensive player in the National Football League on his team. And Khalil Mack isn't doing shit. No, I mean, Zedarius Smith is dwarfing his numbers. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's it's it's, our, it's outrageous what Khalil Mack has done this year. He's been he's been not he's been good. Yeah, he's, cert- he's certainly been good. He's still very good. He hasn't lived up to that Khalil Mack game changer, game ruiner type of, of, of label. You know, he's been fine. And part of that is that, okay, I know Akeem Hicks is out. I'm aware. Oh, yeah. But he's, um, the thing with awesome. Khalil Mack is that you've got to, if if you don't have Akeem Hicks pushing the middle back, you've got to get Khalil Mack home in passing situations some other way. They're not doing it. They're still just letting teams double team him, keeping keeping him where he's at. They're just not using him smartly, and that's that's where the problems start. Yeah, I, I for mean, the Bears, they are running Tariq Cohen up the middle on yeah. on most of his touches. It's and they're running option on third and short. That is, if if you were delivering or not delivering pizzas during that game, if you were catching parts of that game, go back and find the Bears run the option. Find that highlight and watch it. Because I don't want to. It's 
it's the worst thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Like it's this team doesn't have any idea how they're supposed to execute what they're being asked to execute. They're clearly not being coached to execute what they're supposed to execute. There's it's it's a dumpster fire. Yeah, no, it's awful. It's it's just terrible. Uh, you know, I, I for his sake, man, I hope Mitchell Trubisky doesn't start next week. Uh, you know, I, I I think they're better off with Chase Daniels or or whoever their third uh, quarterback is. I always forget his name. I've been saying they should start Tariq Cohen at quarterback. Yeah, and I'm, I run the Wildcat, man. Run the Wildcat. <laughs> Who cares? Trubisky himself says he's good to go for for next week against the Giants, which uh, if there is a team that you could be facing looking to bounce back and you know, get back to a game under 500, certainly the, the Giants, Giants are uh, are willing to help you out. They go Giants, Lions, Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, Vikings do the Bears to end the season. There's not a lot of bright spots there. The no. Giants are the are the team that you would really like to beat. In that defense, you know, the Bears defense should beat up on a young quarterback in Daniel yep. Jones. You know, they should they should win that New York game handily. If Stafford's back for that Lions game, uh, no, no, Stafford has a broken back. I don't think he's going to play anymore this year. Yeah. I think the Lions are being very cagey about that because they're actually in a contending position sitting behind the Packers and the, and the Vikings, and I don't think they want to admit that their season is done. Yeah. Right now, in that it's if it's in Driscoll's hands, they're they're, they're pretty they're finished. Hard. Dallas, Green Bay, Kansas City, mm-hmm. Minnesota to close it out. I mean, shit, man, to play Dallas, Green Bay, Kansas City, and Minnesota in a row—that's not a fun stretch for any team. The Giants game is at home right here at Sol- Soldier Field. Yeah, tickets this weekend. Tickets for, can be found for $61. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, if the if the Bears go into halftime losing. Oh, my God. You could have some sort of a <laughs> civ- civilian revolt <laughs> on your hands. <laughs> you could be in some trouble yeah. on the lakefront. Oh, my God. Soldier Field would be lit on fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the Bears are doing. Nothing that they do makes sense. There's there's no play that they seem to run that they're comfortable with. Uh, the players that they thought were good are, in fact, terrible. I'm looking at you, Taylor Gabriel. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, Their draft picks have not worked out. Allen Robinson's been great. Allen Robinson's very good. He's, he's really good. Um, Poor man, though. Adam Shaheen is on that team. Adam Shaheen's absolutely terrible. Dreadful. Trey Burton, dreadful. Just awful. Just awful. Just terrible. Just really bad. Tariq Cohen, I don't know how you average 5.8 yards per reception, but Tariq Cohen is somehow doing it. Uh, He has 43 catches on 61 targets for 251 yards. Just dreadful. Just dreadful all around. Everything that they've done this year to try and incorporate, uh, you know, a, a, such an impactful player like Tariq Cohen has is, is not worked at all. The ball out of Mitch Trubisky's hand is awful. It's slow. It's wobbling. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like he, every once in a while, it feels like he drives it downfield and it's fine. But they did a close up on his footwork on Sunday night. <laughs> 
And they were trying to show an example of when he's doing his footwork well. Yeah. And he's sort of shambling around. Yeah, he didn't have foot. He doesn't have good. Does footwork. not have good footwork. No, it's it's he's everything I've seen of Mr. Trubisky. I, I remember watching like a a Brett Coleman like like a quick film breakdown a Sunday night that I looked at after my shift, and it was. Um, Talking about a play where where Trubisky catches the ball, drops back, and it's like a third and four, and they run a quick out uh, to I think it's Allen Robinson on the bottom part of on um, like the the south side of the field or whatever, and so you know Allen Robinson runs a quick out and he's open immediately. Trubisky pump fakes and eats it, sits back, looks deep. There's a deep post which is wide open. Also, there's no the cornerback. The cornerback thinks it's zone. It's actually man. Gives up a, a guy gets four or five steps on him before the cornerback realizes, oh shit, I got to cover him. So there's also, not only is the out to Allen Robinson wide open, there's also a touchdown ball wide open. And Trubisky fakes that too and then turtles down and gets sacked. Sp- like spins around and goes, oh no, I don't have anything anymore and falls down. And it's just like a, a he's constantly second guessing himself on every single decision, on every single move. If there was just a quick instinct, go. All the plays are there, man. You know, it's it's guys are getting open. Guys are doing things. It's just that he is so bad that he shouldn't be in the NFL. You will get your wish soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's been our check-in on the Bears. They're doing great. I want to move on to Thursday night's game. And I just want to talk about this very briefly the Brown Steelers game was an absolute debacle and not just the end of it, but this whole game was a debacle. And I just want to touch on this matter because I've been, I've made a lot of excuses for the, the not excuses, but I've tried to explain why the referees are bad in the NFL. There are plenty of reasons that have nothing to do with like the referees personally being bad, which many of them are. But there are a lot of reasons why that level of refereeing is occurring in the NFL, and they mostly have to do with capital, and they have to do with the fact that the NFL is a terrible organization that has terrible business practices and is terrible towards labor. Mm-hmm. And the referees being labor, therefore... Treated terribly. Are treated terribly. That being said, this crew yeah, and this Brown-Steelers game are as much to blame as anyone for what happened at the end of the game when Miles Garrett decided to take Mason Rudolph's helmet off and hit him with it. Yeah. Everything that they had done up to that point was just letting a game get out of hand. You have to do something to keep a game in hand. And, you know, Demarius Randall had gotten kicked out earlier for a shot. And Randall had done his usual thing where, yeah, he throws his hands in his air and he in the air and he walks around in circles and he barks around a little bit. Yeah. And and then he then he leaves out the tunnel, still gesticulating. Classic Demarius Randall. Yeah. Classic Randall. Yeah. Seen that before. Yeah, seen that a little bit. But this game was just, it was a chippy mess. Yeah, whole game. And the Steelers were playing terribly. The Browns defense was having their way with Mason Rudolph. There was pushing and shoving between plays. 
you have to do something at a certain point. And you have to get a little inroads with the guys on the sidelines. Referees definitely can go to coaches and be like, and tell them, hey, you've got to get you've got to get your players yeah. under control. I'm gonna start tossing people left and right and you're yeah. not gonna like get it. Get sixty three under control. He's, yep. been, he's been throwing shoves after the after yeah. the play. Get him under like, control. I'm sick he's of out. this. Yeah, I'm sick of this and I'm gonna start tossing guys left and right if you if you don't if you don't work with me here. Yeah. You can you can do that all all game long if you want to. Yeah. If you sense a problem coming, you've got to have good lines of communication. But and it's compounding that problem is that Freddie fucking Kitchens is standing on the Brown sideline. He's not gonna do. He's, he's not gonna do anything. And he's a rube. Yeah. And it's it's also a thing of of there's always drama between the Steelers and the Browns. Mm-hmm. There, like just like there's always drama between the Steelers and the Ravens and the Steelers all, and the Bengals. Yeah. And the Steelers and, and every, everybody. Every AFC North team and the Steelers. This is expected. You should have yeah. known this and been ready for this coming into the game because this happens every single fucking time the Steelers play football. Yep. Awful. And there's been there's a lot of back and forth on on should Mason Rudolph be punished? Should Miles Garrett? What should that be? I don't really care about any of that. Yeah, we can all look at the the replay and see that uh, a big old fight got started, and then. Miles Garrett went nuts. Yeah. And and he's definitely out of line. Rudolph is less out of line, but still out of line. Yeah. The Steelers offensive line, I you know, pick you know, protect your quarterback all you want, but Pouncey can't throw a kick at Miles Garrett when he's got another lineman on top of him. Like that yeah. whole scene is just a mess. I'm not going to adjudicate each one of those little incidents. I'm yeah. just going to note that, that that game was out of control and pretty much around the time that Randall got tossed out, you could see that brawl coming. Yeah. That was not a surprise. There was, there was tension from snap number one. You know, it's, 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 I don't know. It's every, it feels like every time I watch the Steelers play football, I feel like there's about to be a brawl. Yeah, they 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 push it right to the limit. And the Browns have no discipline or responsibility no. this year. Freddie Kitchens is is absolutely dreadful. Not just as like a a NFL head coach scheming plays and calling an offense, but just dreadful. He's it, just a dummy. He's just a he's just awful. He's just awful. Um I can't. I. I. I seriously cannot believe that. You know the the Browns didn't even bring in McCarthy, which I I think has a lot to say about you know McCarthy standing in the league and everything, but to look at Freddie Kitchens and go, all right, that's better than anything else. It's better than anything else we could get. We got Freddie Kitchens. We're yeah. good. What and say what you will about Mike McCarthy, but his teams were not. No, cheap shotting. No, his, his dirty team. His teams didn't lead the league in penalties year after year after nope. year. Like it, it's not what they, they were at least somewhat disciplined. They might not have played very hard, um, but you know, I do know. Um, one final note before we just kind of take a look at the the last several games. The NFL decided to line the shotgun up directly with their foot. And bring Colin Kaepernick back into the news. Uh, there was a workout scheduled in which Kaepernick was going to work out an NFL-sanctioned event for representatives from teams. 
I don't know precisely why the NFL did that in the first place, or I didn't know at least until the waiver that Colin was asked to sign in order to participate in this workout was published after he declined to sign it and moved his workout elsewhere. I haven't seen the waiver. Uh, the waiver and waivers are typically broad. I, I'm not, I'm not going to mm-hmm. put a conspiracy kind of language on this. Waivers are very broad. And this waiver contained language that a attorney could reasonably infer to mean that once Collins signed that waiver, he could no longer make any further claims against the NFL of any kind, including further employment discrimination. Okay. And it's all in legalese. Yeah. But if you're one of Collins' attorneys and you see that on the waiver, I've I've been I've been around enough attorneys and I've bought a couple of houses. <laughs> like I've yeah. seen enough I've seen attorneys work with each other enough mm-hmm. to know that when you encounter language that you find to be too broad as an attorney being presented something for your client to sign, you enter a negotiation with the other attorney and then you Mm -hmm. talk about it and you state your reasons. But apparently there was no negotiation to be had, which is the part that leads me to the conspiratorial thinking of the NFL did this in order to get Colin's signature on that particular waiver that was written exactly the way it was. Yeah. Which is in itself ridiculous, but... I have no idea how the NFL as a business, which has already had to settle a lawsuit with this man, yeah. can continue putting themselves in this, this situation where they have to defend their actions with regard to this player over and over and over again. It's because the NFL is a terrible organization run by idiots yeah. is the reason why they keep on having to put themselves in this position where they have to defend their bad behavior with regards to Colin Kaepernick. But also, kudos to Colin Kaepernick and his executives and lawyers and the people around him for not letting him do that. A a dumber man would not be in the position that Colin is in right now, which is in a, in a, on a on a stage where he can do a lot of good work in the community that he lives in, enjoy a national. Um, national, I don't know if he's he's not a celebrity, but he's close. Yeah, he he has a a national figure. platform to to work on. He's getting paid enough by Nike to be able to do the work that he wants to do. And unfortunately, the yes. one thing he can't do is play in the NFL yeah. because he's been blacklisted from the NFL. And they insist on making it obvious, and it's it's bothersome, but it's not surprising. Um, I have a Jay-Z quote about the whole thing. Oh, no. So let's no, say, that's not good. I'm sure it's not good. Uh, according to Sports Illustrated, rapper, NFL partner, and heralded capitalist Jay-Z uh. was, quote, disappointed with Colin's actions and believes he turned a legitimate workout into a publicity stunt, end quote. Um, according to Colin's agent, no NFL – he's – I'm a little bit pessimistic here. This is the agent's quote, Jeff Nally. Quote, I'm a little bit pessimistic here because I've talked to all 32 teams. I've reached out to them recently, and none of them have had any interest. I'll tell you this. No team asked for this workout. The league office asked for this workout. Yeah. So, uh, fuck you, Jay-Z, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
for making me sit through this shit that you say. The, uh, the I think the last six months have done have done a lot towards like kind of bringing public opinion more in line with my not liking Jay Z opinions. Yeah, he's, he's and my opinions are a little bit more found in the whole like yeah don't don't become a billionaire off a of sweatshop labor. I don't like it when yeah. people do that. You know, be it be it Jay Z or. Or Jeff Bezos or anyone else. I'm not a fan no. of it in any in any situation. But yeah, the NFL they just insist on being stupid at all times. And again, Kaepernick is only the outlier in that he has played his hand better than most. Yeah, most people sign an sign a waiver when they're presented it by the NFL. Yeah, most people don't can't speak out about this sort of stuff. Most okay. people don't have the wherewithal or the platform to do so. and Or the smarts. Yeah. You know, to persevere through all this and, and still be able to, you know, say everything. Yeah. Plenty, plenty of people don't have that, don't have that. And I, I, it's, I root for Kaepernick, but I also understand that a big point of what he's doing is for a greater range of NFL players than just yeah. him. It's 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 not for him anymore. You know, he's he's 32. You know, I, I you know, I, I watched a, a, a lot of this workout uh you know after he moved it. Um there's a great YouTube channel called the QB School um with JT O'Sullivan who's a longtime NFL backup. Um he does a great job of breaking down like tape of, of different quarterbacks across the NFL, different schemes and everything. He did a 45-minute video breaking down Collins' footwork and Collins' throwing mechanics and everything in this this workout. And, you know, he's he's 32. He can still zip it. He can still throw it. But he didn't have the physical ability that he did, you know, when we last saw him in the NFL. You know, what what, what Collins' doing now is not for him. You know, it's, it's not for his employment opportunities. It's for, you know, the employment rights of those coming after him, you know, and those 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 – uh, proceeding him so you know all respect to him yep that's that's our our Kaepernick update um nothing much else to do here on this bye week cheeseheads in Chicagoland we've gone pretty long as it is I usually take a look at some of the rest of the scores throughout the the week and there are a few worth talking about Baltimore Houston I thought this was the game for the ages. It was not. Baltimore no. beat the shit out of Houston. Yeah, Lamar 41-7. Lamar Jackson just went off. He's for real, man. He's, He's absolutely for real. Here's the thing. Deshaun Watson is also for real. Yeah. And he got absolutely shut down by this Baltimore defense. All of a sudden, we've got a, a top AFC contender that we that was a dark horse riding into the season. Yeah, I didn't expect this out of Baltimore. I thought Lamar was was you know coming out of last year. I thought Lamar was was still a year away from being you know his 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 top potential. Uh, but what we're seeing this year is is man, it's it's you know I I I've certainly never seen a player that is this consistent both in his running ability and his passing ability. You know, Mike Vick was this good running the football. Mike Vick was not this nope. good at standing in the pocket and delivering the ball where it needs to be. You know, he, Lamar Jackson is is a new breed of quarterback. He's he's been absolutely unbelievable. The Falcons beat the Weird crap out of the Carolinas from. again. The Falcons in the last uh, two weeks, yeah, since have woke up and gotten very upset <laughs> since they said Dan Quinn, you're not allowed to call any of the plays anymore. Yeah. They've been really, really good. 29-3, they beat the Carolina Panthers on the road. Dallas beats the Detroit Lions. Ah, the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Indianapolis beats Jacksonville 33-13. to That gets them back on track after a bit of a slide. Buffalo beats Miami, and no one is surprised about that. Minnesota beats Denver. They have to come back from 20 down at the half to do it. Crazy. Um, Minnesota is good because they won, but also they had to come back from 20 down at home against the Broncos. I didn't expect the Broncos to score 20 points. No, me neither. Uh, New Orleans beats Tampa Bay. They're back on track. The Jets beat Washington 34-17. to uh, uh, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Arizona Cardinals 36-26. New England beats Philadelphia in what was a pretty good game. Oakland stays on track and beats Cincinnati. Oakland is good enough to beat some bad teams. Uh, Oakland is a rollover victory for anyone good in the in the AFC playoffs, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think they're, you know, I think they might squeak into a wild card spot, but, um, you know, they're not. They're not going to push for a championship. No. They're not going to push for an AC championship berth. They're not going to push for a Super Bowl berth. They're not that good. The Rams beat the Chicago Bears 17-7 to in the worst thing I've ever seen. And the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Los Angeles Chargers 24-17. to Phillip Rivers is pretty done. Yeah, he's he's an old man. The arm it, doesn't work anymore. No, it's, you know, it's, it's Phillip, you've got a lot of... Uh, Joyous children at home. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, it might be time to to hang up those cleats and, and go say hello to them and let Easton Stick uh, run, run the team. If they, if they feel like it, Rivers could possibly have like an Archie Manning type situation developing if his kids go into football. If they're as freaking big as Phil Beyond Rivers. Beyond Archie Manning. I mean, yeah. Archie, Archie got two kids into the league. Phillip's got, Phillip's got 10 chances. <laughs> Phillip's got a lot of options yeah. here. Phillip could have a full family dynasty. He could have one third of the teams in the NFL starting Rivers as quarterback. Philip Rivers got bullets in the clip. That's yeah. all I'm saying about that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. How about a, a bye week head Cheesehead for, uh, for the early season? Ooh. I think it's Aaron Jones. That's probably Aaron Jones. I, I would think it might be Matt LaFleur. Oh yeah. I I guess if we're not choosing just players, I would say it's Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing that thing where uh color commentators when they're asked to pick the play of the game like escape by going, oh, I think it's really the five guys on the offensive yeah, line. It's it's the whole trenches. Uh yeah, no, I, I, I think, you know, if we're just doing anybody involved with the organization, I think it's Matt LaFleur. If we're doing the guys who are who are playing on the field, I think it's it's Aaron Jones. I think it's the Darius Smith if it's it's guys Ooh, who are playing on the on the field. That too. People seem to like him. Yeah. People love the Smith yeah. combo. I, I, I think that um, you know, I was watching some Ben Fennell for The Athletic puts up some really good uh, film studies, and he put up a good tape of, of comparing Zedary Smith as a rookie to Rashawn Gary as a rookie, and they look so similar. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I think that there's things intangibles that Zedarius brings to this team that are immeasurable, you know, beyond his talent on the field, just his attitude and the way he approaches things. And, um, you know, it's it's a little bit off uh, off of football, but... Um, you know, it, it, Zedarius was uh, uh, cited for... Weed. I wondered if we were going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting to it. Um, Zedarius was cited for, for weed uh, in the car with uh, Kingsley, Kingsley Kiki and Rashawn Gary the other day. They were coming back from Chicago. Um, and, you know, it, they neither none of them had been smoking. It was just there was weed in the car. 
And immediately Zedaria says, put it on me. It's, it's neither of theirs. I swear to God, it's all mine. And I think that there's a certain attitude, you know, to do that. And, and there's this certain leadership quality in Zedarius that I, I think that very few people have. And, and I think it has a huge effect on this team and, and, and the younger players, especially. I just want to make a social note that can you that, that would have been a headline maker 10 years ago. But as a society, we no longer care about weed. Yeah. And we care a lot less about what the cops have to say about when, when they pull over cars with three, three black men in them and find a small amount of, of a bullshit drug. Yeah. Well, also, let's make it – let's get it really, really, really clear here why they checked the car for weed. Yeah. The weed was in a smell-proof container, in the trunk, in a bag, in another bag, in a suitcase – not, none of them were high. None of them had smoked in the car the entire trip. There was no way that the cop smelled weed. He just saw an expensive car with three black men and said, oh, yep. I smell weed. And we all know that now. Yeah, like, now we, we all are, get that. We, are we all understand that. that. <laughs> um, so, you know, besides police, uh, mismanagement is far too uh, soft of a word for what uh, happened uh, and what happens uh, consistently to black people across America but um, that's a good way to end our podcast well, fuck the police <laughs> fuck the police um, hey Matt until next week what should people do fuck the police <laughs>
bright as a hollow sky. This is a city. 